Joshua Harris opens up a little more about why he decided to leave Christianity. We'll share the details. Also, the U.S. has officially begun to withdraw from the Paris Climate Agreement. And finally, Martin Scorsese pens an essay on why he doesn't like Marvel movies. That's all ahead. This is Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. It's Relevant Daily. Hey everyone, I'm Clark Flippo. Welcome to Relevant Daily, where we bring you what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. All those stories are coming up, but first I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a clean landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or even an appealing online store, it's all possible with Squarespace. They have award-winning templates, customizable settings, and of course, powerful e-commerce tools. And right now, Squarespace is offering Relevant Daily listeners a special deal. Head over to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash relevant. All right. To tell us about today's stories, it's our publisher, Jesse Carey. Hey, Jesse. Clark, how's it going, man? Good, man. So uh, first up, Joshua Harris is opening up more about leaving Christianity. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. Okay, so for a little bit of context, earlier this year, the author of the book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, as well as a handful of other popular books, but that's the one he's most likely known for. Uh, he's He was also a pastor for over a decade. He took to Instagram to explain, by all the measures that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me there is a different way to practice faith, and I want to remain open to this, but I'm not there now. He also added, to the LGBTQ community, I just want to say that I'm sorry for the views that I taught in my books and as a pastor regarding sexuality. Uh, you know, so this Instagram post where Josh Harris was essentially renouncing his faith, um, you know, was a pretty big deal. Um, interesting this week, uh, Clark Harris was a guest on the show Axios on HBO. And this is one of the first times where he's like really opened up about not just renouncing I Kiss Dating Goodbye, the book, because he did that years ago. He actually asked that the book stop being published. He apologized for some of the kind of toxic messages in it. Mm. Uh, but this is one of the first time he's opened up in depth about his decision to leave Christianity. And what else did he say? You know what? Actually, let's hear, let's hear a clip. You know, Mike, as a pastor, I, I excommunicated people. If you're not living according to the teaching of the Bible and you're living in unrepentant sin, then you have to be put out of the church. And I think I came to a point of recognizing, you know what? I'm not living according to this. And I held other people to this standard. And, you know, I excommunicated myself, essentially. What's interesting about this interview is, you know, to a degree, Clark, uh, what Josh Harris says in this clip, and again, I don't know all of his beliefs, but what he seemed to indicate, at least in this clip, is that one of his main reasons for leaving the church wasn't because he stopped believing in God mm -hmm. or started to doubt the Bible, but he felt like he couldn't live to a certain moral and religious standard mm -hmm. that he required other people live to as a pastor. Yeah. So, you know, the, the the Josh Harris story is is sad. It's obviously it's sad to see someone leave the faith, but this interview review was kind of enlightening just to have a get a little bit more insight into why he left and it didn't necessarily have to do a ton with doubt it seems but really questioning whether he could live to what he sees right. as a moral standard 
for Christian. So it's certainly an interesting interview, but people can watch more of it over at relevantmagazine.com. Sounds good. So next up, the U.S. is officially uh, leaving the Paris Accords. Yeah. So a little bit of context on this one. This is another kind of concerning story. So shortly after uh, Donald Trump won the 2016 election, he announced that his intention was to withdraw the country from the Paris uh, Climate Agreement. That's the 187 country commitment to keeping global temperature from rising more than two degrees Celsius. Now, the official withdrawal from the Accords has begun and it will be completed on November 4th, 2020. That's a significant day because it's just one day after the U.S. presidential election next year. Uh, The U.S. will be the only non-signatory of the Accords and it has forced the European Union into lots of sort of international shuffling to keep the agreement on track. So why are we leaving? So from the beginning, the Trump administration has argued that the Paris Agreement put undue burden on the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the country would instead follow a, quote, realistic and pragmatic, unquote, model of its own. Uh, Presently, the U.S. contributes about 15 percent of all global emissions of carbon dioxide. So it's concerning in in, in a lot of ways that the U.S. would would be pulling out of this. Yeah. So uh, what's the response been like? Well, many companies and local governments in the U.S. have joined what's called the We Are Still In movement, in which they privately pledge to abide by the Paris Agreement with or without the federal mandate. So what that looks like is, you know, you would have some of these major institutions. We've seen uh, companies like Amazon take steps. We'll see local governments. We'll see possibly even on the state level, states taking steps that they were planning on taking anyway because of the Paris Agreement that would uh, reduce carbon emissions. So even though the federal government won't mandate it, there will be a lot of companies and a lot of uh, smaller areas within the country that will still be doing things to try to reduce carbon emissions. Yeah, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, so finally, uh, Martin Scorsese goes deep on why he doesn't really like the MCU. Yeah. Well, Clark, all right. Let me ask you two questions, man. You a Martin Scorsese fan. Yes. What's your favorite Scorsese film? Uh, gonna have to be probably Gangs of New York. Okay. Okay. Uh, 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 a recent one, but still kind of a modern classic and the MCU. I think we've talked about this before, but you're, you're an MCU fan somewhat, right? Yeah. Relatively. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of like, uh, Thor Ragnarok and, uh, I, I like some of the Spider-Man movies. So yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if Martin Scorsese does not like them, um, <laughs> yeah, obviously he's considered one of the greatest living filmmakers and he's out doing press because his new film, uh, the Irishman, it's got actually rave reviews in kind of the mm-hmm. festival circuits hitting Netflix in a couple of weeks. Uh, but he did an, an interview with empire magazine where he kind of basically outlined the reasons he doesn't like Marvel movies that set off a lengthy round of discourse about the ways that the Marvel cinematic universe has changed the film industry. And mm-hmm. also kind of a debate of whether or not they're, quote, and this is Scorsese words, real cinema. So this week, Martin Scorsese penned an essay for the essay for the New York Times explaining his thoughts. And guess what? It's very sharp and very challenging towards the MCU. <laughs> he starts off the essay by making it clear that his distaste for the movies is personal. Um 
and allows that, and this is another quote, many franchise films are made by people of considerable talent and artistry, but he also feels there's a sameness to the franchise that has limited the movie's abilities to deal with broader issues. So here's a quote that kind of unpacks that idea a little bit. He says, many of the elements that define cinema as I know it are there in the Marvel movies. What's not there is revelation, mystery, or genuine emotional danger. Nothing at risk. The pictures are made to satisfy a specific specific set of demands and they are designed as variations on a finite number of themes genuine emotional danger nothing at risk has he not seen Endgame? half the universe got wiped out oh, <laughs> what man. could be hey what could be more right. emotional than watching tony stark spoiler alert i was gonna say take yeah. one for half the universe uh, right. and right. and and give old thanos a snap uh, <laughs> and scorsese's mind and i get what he's saying here there, there there isn't they're not saying dangerous things they are kind of recycling old hero villain stories over and over but right. in the essay Scorsese did go out of his way to highlight some of the non-franchise filmmakers at work today he named Chuck Wes Anderson Claire Dennis Spike Lee Paul Thomas Anderson Catherine Bigelow who he says are doing everything the MCU doesn't do here's another quote from the essay when I watch a movie by any of those filmmakers I know I'm going to be something see something absolutely new and be taken to unexpected and maybe even unnameable areas of experience my sense of what is possible in telling stories with moving images and sounds is going to be expanded. Listen, I like all of those filmmakers. Uh, but right. do you agree with him, Clark? Do you think like when you're watching a film by Catherine Bigelow or Paul Thomas Anderson or Wes Anderson, that it does something different to you emotionally and intellectually than when you're watching the latest Marvel movie? I mean, I, I, I can see where he's coming from for sure. I mean, it's, it, you know, when you're watching something like Paul Thomas Anderson or someone like that, you're getting a very human experience that is like instantly relatable yeah. as opposed to like, you know, someone snapping their fingers and like destroying all your friends. Yeah, so, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I get the criticism. Um, and artistically, I think it's one thing to have a director like Martin Scorsese, who certainly earned the right to say, to issue some artistic criticism. Uh, I, I feel like that was interesting, but his essay also took a turn when he talked about the the industry's impact yeah. uh, or the impact on the industry that the MCU has had. Basically, he makes a case that superhero flicks are kind of crowding out other types of entertainment. Here's what he writes. The situation, sadly, is that now we have two separate fields. There's worldwide audio-visual entertainment and there's cinema. See the distinction he makes there? <laughs> yeah. uh, he also said, there's still overlap from time to time, but that's becoming increasingly rare. And I fear that the financial dominance of one is being used to marginalize and even belittle the existence of the other one. So there you go. Martin yeah. Scorsese's uh, beef with the MCU isn't just artistic. It's that, uh, you know, it makes the movie industry a little bit more difficult to break into if you're a kind of a young independent filmmaker pushing the envelope of style and substance. So I think he's got a case there, but it's interesting thoughts you can read more at the new york times or uh more of our commentary over at relevantmagazine.com cool well thanks jesse thanks clark to read more about these stories and everything else we're covering today make sure to check out the homepage at relevantmagazine.com also for the latest make sure to follow relevant on social media we're on twitter at relevant on facebook and instagram at relevant magazine Finally, subscribe to our print magazine and all our other podcasts. We're here every weekday, bringing you the latest at the intersection of faith and culture. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is Relevant Daily. Relevant Daily.